meditate upon you and your truth and be better people for it, better sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, amen. So on Mother's Day, I preached on Deborah and J.L. And uh, uh, what I preached was not about mothers. What I preached was applicable to men and everybody else in the congregation. And so it wasn't a sermon to exalt motherhood. Um, in itself, there's nothing, there's nothing exalting about motherhood. I mean, there, it's common. Men can father children and women can give birth to children. There's nothing spiritually in itself that is commendable before God. It's a product of how He has made us as His people. Our the beauty of it is when all this is done to the glory of God. So today I want to talk about Enoch. And it's not to exalt fathers or to go down a road talking about fathers and everything related to fathers. But it's good to talk about him because what's said about him is important for fathers. And what is said about him is important for mothers. And what is said about him is important for young people and every and, and all of us who are here. So it's important for all of us and not just for fathers. If you look at Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 5, it says, I think, I'm thankful Chuck brought me this extended pulpit today. We have, this is what you call a pulpit extender. Okay? Anyway, um, it says in verse 5, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. So why was he taken up? Was it because of his own uh, own righteousness that he was taken up? Well, no, the next verse explains this to us. And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must draw believe that he is and that he reports those who seek him. So Enoch sought God. And he believed in him. He had faith in God as his salvation. Uh, he was not it was not his own works that God rewarded. It was his faith, and out of his faith grew his works. If you look at verse 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. This means that you, you believe what God has promised, the conviction of things not seen. You accept his word, his truth. What he has promised, what he has said has happened in the past. And so uh, Enoch was... He was... Uh, Taken up by faith. And he was one who served the Lord by faith. He lived by faith, trusting in the Lord. And God had mercy upon him. And he was a man who lived with a changed heart. And he did not have all the knowledge we had. But he was one who looked to God as his salvation. And so he was a man of faith. If you go back to Genesis and look at those verses there about Enoch in the in the Old Testament, uh, it also talks in reference to him. At 65, he became the father of Methuselah. And then it says that he walked with God for 300 years. So uh, it says there in verse uh, 22, 
Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. And again in verse 24, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. So it repeats this. Trapped says he changed his place but not his company for he still walked with God as on earth so in heaven. Now Enoch is not the only one in the Bible who is characterized as walking with God. We're going to look at other people but now here's the thing you've got to be doing and I have to be doing in this. We all have to be doing this. If Enoch walked with God we need to be thinking about our walk with God. We need to be thinking about am I walking with God? If I am walking with God, what does it look like? What, what's going on here? How can I improve my walk with God? How can I have a better walk with God? And all those things. So those are things that you and I, not, I'm not going to just be doing all the application. You're going to be making these applications, and me too, to my own, uh, as I make it to my own. But there, there are others in Scripture who describe as walking with God. Noah. Noah was a righteous man. The scriptures say, blameless in his time, Noah walked with God. Abraham. Now when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Jacob acknowledged that he and Abraham and Isaac had walked with God. And he blessed Joseph and said, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day. Enoch stands out because God took him in such a unique way. But that doesn't mean that all who walk with God are so taken or because only he and Elijah were the two that were taken in the way they were that they were the only ones who walked with God. Neither does it mean that they were without sin or anything like that. Enoch was not. He was just a man who lived by faith. Part of which was to look to the Lord for his salvation, even as Adam had done a generation before. From this we should learn for all of us to be individuals who live by faith. We are to believe all that God has said. That's the life of faith. To believe all that He says in His Word that has happened in the past. To believe everything He says to us about the present. And to be, believe everything He says to us about the future. That is the life of faith. And to, and to be faithful to Him, obey Him, and to act upon Him. That's the life of faith that we read about in Hebrews chapter 11. Don't let other people tell you that Hebrews 11 is some fanciful uh, mandate that you're supposed to come up with all these fancy things that God's supposed to do, and that's what it means to walk by faith. No. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. How do you get those things hoped for? The things that God gives you about the future. The conviction of things not seen. Whether it's heaven or angels or history we cannot see or the future we cannot see. And that's what you see people doing. What does Noah do? He prepares an ark. He is told there's going to be a flood. He doesn't see the flood. He sees no evidence of a flood. But he's a man who walks by faith. And that's the examples that you're going to see in this as you read through Hebrews 11. To be individuals who walk by faith and to please God. 
We are not those who try to earn His love or win it or anything like that by what we do. But we walk by faith acknowledging our sin and looking to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior Amen. and seeking to follow Him and to live unto Him in our daily lives. Enoch's walk and walking with God has to do with a person's way of life. Everyone is walking one way or another because all of us are living. It's not that some are not walking through life. All of us are walking through life. But when we do a word study of Scripture, descriptive of life and living, of people's character and activity and way of life, we get the idea of what it means in the Bible to be those who walk with the Lord. People are either walking with the Lord or not. And if we are walking with Him, then we're walking either in a close and familiar walk or maybe a distant walk. Like we just read in the Perseverance of Saints in the Confession of Faith. We read there about how at times we fall into sin or God leaves us for a season. And our walk then is not a close walk. It's not intimate communion. It's not the, 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 the intimacy and the, and the reality and the joy of the walk that we want or that we need because of our own sin or for other reasons. <coughs> Colossians 3, verse 6, Therefore, just as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. We walk in Him by faith. So the beginning of this walk, the beginning of the walk, of, if you look at your outline, point two, the beginning of the walk with God, and that is simply that we become Christians. That's the beginning of the walk, is when we become believers. Uh, the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 2 that before we were converted, we were walking according to the world. Right? He said you were formerly walked according to the course of this world. And then what does he go on to describe in Ephesians 2? He describes how God came and changed our hearts. He gave us new hearts. And then he gave us the gifts of faith and repentance. And we exercise these gifts. We believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. We acknowledged our sin. We turned from it. Yes, we still do battle with it, but we turned from it as a way of life. And we confessed our sins. And we believed upon Christ for our forgiveness. And all of this was His work. It was by grace. It was not through any activity. It was not through anything that came from within us. We are not a people who are naturally in good terms with God. But God brought us unto Himself. And so He establishes us. That's the establishing, the beginning of our walk with God is our conversion unto the Lord. Next, what is the experience of our walk with God? And so I wanted to I wanted to give us seven, seven things, seven aspects of our Walking with God. I want to run through these for us and uh, and give these to us so that you and I are making application of this to our lives. And then there's one there that will give us four uh, extra examples. But there are seven aspects here of, of how we can describe Enoch or anyone else today who walks with the Lord. The first one is walking where he leads. 
Walking where he leads, having his goals and purposes and concerns. Walking where he leads, having his goals, purposes, and concerns. The person who walks with God will travel in the way that he leads or directs, having his purposes, goals, and concerns. If we walk with the Lord, certainly the Lord ought to direct our path. He is God. He knows best infinitely. This is what the psalmist cries out for, that God would direct his path. Peter says, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. This is what concerns God, that we be a holy people, that we be separated unto Him. That we are more in love with Christ than we are with the world. That we know what it is to enjoy creation and enjoy the world, but not to be brought into submission to it. We reject the world's value system, the philosophy of the world, the way of life that the world opposes to us. Jesus says in John 17 in his prayer, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. It is not enough for you and me to profess faith in Christ. We are to live lives that make us uniquely different from others around us who are not believers. This is one of the sad problems of the church today is that our testimony has been such that people can see no difference oftentimes between the person who professes to be a Christian and the person who does not. Not because they aren't telling everybody everything, but just simply because the character of our lives. And then the other problem on top of that is that in the church, you have all these people who are so concerned about growth that their great concern is to tell the world, we are just like you. We, we are just like you in every way. The only difference is that we have invited Jesus into our hearts, whatever that's supposed to mean to them. But anyway, we are supposed to be different. We're supposed to be unique. Not weird, but different in the sense that we are given over to the Lord. John writes, Do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but it's from the world. Yes, we have problems with these things, but the difference between us and others is that we fight these sins. We reject them, we fight them, we do battle with them. Matthew Henry says, This was the business of Enoch's life, his constant care and work. While others lived to themselves and the world, he lived unto God. Secondly, walking as one living in his presence. Walking as one living in the presence of God. It's not just a matter on Sunday mornings, but realizing that we're in the presence of God wherever we are and whatever we're doing. We're in the presence of God when we're alone. We're in the presence of God in our thought life. We're in the presence of God when temptation comes or whatever it is. We're in the presence of God when we think about others or, or whatever it is. We're always in the presence of God. But walking as one living in His presence means that we want this to be a good experience and one that honors Him. The psalmist prays, Oh, that my ways may be established to keep thy statutes. 
Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon thy, all thy commandments. Don't, don't you and I pray that at times. Lord, help me to help me to keep your commandments so that when I hear your commandments, I'm not so convicted at how I fail. I mean, we're still going to be convicted. We're still going to fail. But you see the heart of the psalmist. The heart of the psalmist is, Lord, I want to live before you so as not to be ashamed. Thirdly, walking, showing honor and reverence toward Him. Walking, showing honor and reverence toward the Lord. Even as an obedient and respectful child honors a loving earthly father who holds his hand, so a child will honor the Lord if he walks with him. Desires to please him. Not just a faithful confession of sin or a confession of doctrine, but an actual living to honor him. The catechism says man's chief end is to glorify God. It's not an empty phrase. It's not an empty phrase. <laughs> I didn't have it in my notes, but this there's a guy that this, this guy he's a, he's a friend, a fellow that I get coaching from for real estate, and now he's coaching me to do something else, and we just switched gears, but he's still a coach to me, and he's a Christian, and this last week he said, okay, Pete, you need to decide whether you're going to do this as a hobby or whether you're going to do it for the glory of God. Get serious. And I thought, boy, that's what I need to hear. I need to hear. The Catechism says man's chief end is to glorify God. It's not an empty phrase. So walking with God means that we want to show Him honor and reverence. We want to glorify Him. When you see people in social media, when you see newspaper accounts, when you see articles or whatever it is that are so condemnatory of God and the Christian faith, does it rile you up and make you upset? That's us having a zeal for God. Fourth, walking with dependence upon Him. Walking with dependence upon Him. And I've got four areas here of dependence upon the Lord that we can express our walking with Him. The first one is for direction. That He would lead and guide us. And this a lot of times comes in our praying. We pray. We get counsel from others. We read our Bibles. We read books. But our goal is for God to give us direction. The psalmist says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. That's the promise that seems from God. For direction. The second one is for protection. He is stronger than anyone else, and so we depend upon Him for protection. The righteous cry, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. This is the greatest protection you and I have. We sit around and we worry about these idiots out here who are doing all this rioting. We we think about the inflation and all these other all the other garbage that's going on in our world, and we think to ourselves, how do we protect ourselves? How do we protect ourselves? And the greatest protection we have is the Lord. Even if our homes are burned and we are killed, we find our security, our protection 
in Him, our peace in Him. Thirdly, for help in all that is undertaken. Just like I said a while ago, when we come to worship, you and I need His help. The preacher needs His help. The people need His help. We all need His help. So we live dependent upon Him. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and His ears are open to their cry. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and He delights in His way. When He falls, He will not be hurled headlong. Because the Lord is the one who holds His hand. And then finally, our dependence upon the Lord for blessing. For whatever reward and blessing He gives us. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not want for any good thing. Fifthly, we walk in the Lord enjoying being with Him. Walking Enjoying being with Him. Psalm 73. You're familiar with Psalm 73. Psalm 73, the psalmist is all put out because all the wicked things have to do. I wake up in the morning. I got a hard life. I'm, I'm ready just to chuck all this Christianity stuff because I keep trying to follow you and I, and everything is hitting the fan and I'm going through all kinds of problems. And then God makes this believer see his own sin and see the sinfulness of the people who are lost. And then the psalmist says this, is this what you and I will say as those who enjoy being with the Lord? Whom have I in heaven but thee? Besides thee I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from thee will perish. Thou hast destroyed all those who are unfaithful to thee, but as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all thy works. Is that where we are in our profession? You know, David said he did not want to dwell in the tents of wickedness. He wanted to dwell. He would be happy to be a doorkeeper in the house of God. The final walking is walking in freedom, willingly with Him. Walking, no, it's the next to the last. Walking in freedom, willingly with Him. Jesus says, if you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. So we walk with God in freedom, knowing that what we're doing is the right thing. It is the good thing. It may not be what we get applause for. It may be the thing that family members don't appreciate. It may be the thing that we are ridiculed about. It may be the things that we are laughed at in school or in, uh, or in our work. But it is, it is the way that we should go. In freedom and willingly because it is the way that God calls us to go. And then finally, walking, accepting the unexpected that He brings. Walking, accepting the unexpected that He brings. Enoch walked with God 300 years. What did that look like? Was it look like everything was just happy every day? 
You know, you ever hear these motivational speakers that say they just get up happy every morning. And they're just happy. Every morning they get up. They're all liars, okay? They're all liars. They don't do that. They want you to buy tapes and books. They don't do that. Enoch didn't do that. Enoch was a guy who lived in the real world just like you and me. And so he had to, he, he had to experience the unexpected too. And this is what he, he had in a culture maybe that was less friendly than our own culture today. This is what Jude intimates when we read Jude. We foolishly forget that opposition is that which is natural to come to us. That this world is not a friend to the gospel and to grace. And so what we have to do is we have to realize, we have to accept the unexpected and still walk with the Lord. And still walk with the Lord. We have to get to ourselves to the place where we say, okay, you know, everything is falling apart, but I'll, I'm still going to follow the Lord. I'm still going to trust Him. Amen. You know, look at Job. You know, Job, you know, Job, man, all, look at all he went through. And he kept saying that. And then toward the end, he wanted an audience with God. He wanted, you know, we're going to do debates, okay? And, and God had to deal with that issue too. But, but the point was that through all that he suffered, greater than what you and I have suffered, he was, he was really, he was, he wanted to be constant. So we want to walk with the Lord even when it's uphill, when it's, even in the storm, even in the surprise. And this is for all of us. This walking with the Lord is not for certain Christians, it's not for those special Christians, it's not for those older Christians. It's for all of us. It's for children, it's for teenagers, it's for young men and women, it's for those who are elderly, it's for everybody. It's for all of us. Every one of us is walking. We're walking with something, someone or something. We're either walking with ourselves or the world or an idol or we're walking with the Lord. To not walk with the Lord is to walk opposed to Him and against Him. If we're unwilling to walk with Him in this world, we may not expect to walk with Him in the next. But walking with Him now has its privileges, has its blessing, and it is our privilege, and it is our blessing. Let us pray. Almighty God, we talk about walking with You. We do acknowledge our sin, that oftentimes we walk contrary to Your truth and to what pleases You. We ask Your forgiveness, and we thank You that You forgive us, and we accept that. Lord, we thank you that even though our walk at times is not as close as it should be, even though at times it's not as correct and clean and straight and all the rest, we look like a drunk stagger down the road at times maybe in our walk. Nevertheless, Lord, you have put us on this path and we thank you for that. And we love you for that. And we pray that you would take away all those things in our lives that compete for your love and for your affection. And that you would help us to delight in you. To find our world in you. Help us to love family and children and grandchildren and friends and our work and all the other things that we can experience in life. 
Lord, please be the chief love of our heart and help us to walk with you. Not as Enoch did, help us to walk better with you than Enoch did. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.